Last time, on the Reroll Podcast, we enter the Huani Manor, quite loudly. Hey spirits, come and get some! We didn't see any ghosts, but I think someone got lost while they were fishing in here. You open this door and you feel something slightly topped. Oh, that's a fun trick to play with the fishing line. We did find a floor door though, and it embarrassed us for 15 minutes. Bet our culprit isn't there. Fucking door. We got it open though. And the occupants wanted to parlay it with Shadow. Send the child down to the base of the ladder, now send somebody to talk. Fuck that. Star goes in. Star sheds her weapons. I think she wants to swan dive down. Approaching you is this short-haired half-elf. Who are you? Starlet Moonbow. And who might you be? Kelema. Will my friends fuck this up and make me fight this nice lady? Let's find out. You know what is one of my biggest pet peeves? When somebody somebody purposefully interrupts you in conversation. Like this. Nope. I made a word like that. Like that. How about this one? <laughs> You're really bad at this. Okay. Can yeah. I interrupt okay. saying? <laughs> nope, because I'm done talking. <laughs> I, I always hate that. Like, it's one thing if it's like a shared conversation where you're passionate or whatever, but it's another thing just to just blatantly be like, yeah, anyway. Like, I've been meaning to watch that Pablo Escobar show. Have you guys seen that? Narcos <laughs> show? No. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> This is really bad. This is really Didn't bad. Pablo Escobar <laughs> like buy the Golden State Bridge or something? Here, Wait, I got, what? you know what? Here, I got a, I got a <laughs> better a question for His you. His brother made a phone that was gold. Yeah. Today's question of the week: If you had Pablo Escobar's money, what would you do with it? Uh, the same thing he was doing: cocaine and hookers, obviously. Yeah, actually, that's probably the best use of that right uh Wait, you know when you say i had pablo escobar's money do i literally all of a sudden have all of his money because i yes, feel like, like some people unlaundered for that. like you're really in trouble if you don't spend it i guess oh. well like and he's people, gonna I have like assassins coming after you <laughs> he's dead isn't he well what if he dies and just inherits it you inherit it you're a late uh a far distant relevant relative of pablo escobar's and you bequeath 60 like, billion dollars or however i feel like you. the irs would probably have something to say about that <laughs> is this just a guy do they just drop it off in a truck at my house or something <laughs> it's the 21st century now, probably... yeah yeah like a big u-haul like an 18 footer to answer your question what i would probably do if i had pablo escobar's money is probably immediately very quickly get murdered yeah <laughs> i don't know how to handle gangster money well i guess what would you do with like uh, uh, Bezos's money. If you if you just had unlimited wealth, what would you do? Finally, be financially comfortable for the first time in my entire life. Literally, it's a good start. Yeah, yeah. It's huh. like that's pretty good. I would start off getting a house and getting people I know houses, and then give it away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and never I tell didn't... anybody. Yeah, don't tell about people. It. Yeah, like winning lottery. You just don't tell anyone. It I've goes bad. In fidget spinners. I feel like those are going to take off. <laughs> You're just going to have houses of fidget spinners. I would buy 189 billion dollars worth of fidget spinners. Um, I would like to make a suggestion for that. I think you should 
not only just by fidget spinners, but by the butt plugs that have the finish spinner <laughs> fidget spinner. That okay, that oh, what if instead of buying hundred and eighty nine billion dollars worth of fidget spinners, I spend hundred and eighty nine billion dollars and build the biggest fidget spinner. So it's just one fidget spinner worth hundred and eighty nine billion dollars. I'm sure his oh, God. net worth is more than that, but I'm just is using it just that metric as a Earth. And launch it to the moon. It would be so yeah, I'd launch it to the moon and then it would throw off Earth's gravity so much that the it would just like launch us out of the solar system or something. I don't know. Hell yeah. I'm breaking free, finally. I'd go to space. <laughs> you can do that. That's oh how yeah, how just, original. Just me. <laughs> You'd see me riding my fidget spinner out in the cosmos. <laughs> I would start mining asteroids. And seriously investing in like the beginning infrastructure for a Dyson sphere. Are we all like <laughs> that okay? Is... Bro- broader implications. Do we, is this just like we're the only like? Do we all exist in the same world and we all have Jeff Bezos's money? So like, if he's gonna start mining asteroids, can I just like launch my fidget spinner at his mining rig? <laughs> can we? Up? Can we just take a moment to appreciate how like one hundred percent Brendan that answer oh. was? Oh, okay. Like, if you had all the money you could, you would immediately start mining asteroids. Like, well, yeah, if people are dying mining bullshit on Earth, they could be mining bullshit in space, dying, dying in a more in fun space. way. Yeah, you're gonna say you're have you're gonna have That's dangerous all- working conditions in space. That's what you'd do if you were a billionaire. I thought you were gonna like say you're gonna you're appreciating the diversity of the answers that happened, but then. It turned no. a different way. <laughs> I don't appreciate any of your answers. It's, you know what? I would have I would have dangerous <laughs> conditions. I'm doing this. But I'd make like thousands of jobs. Come on. What billionaire is gonna argue with me? Trickle down economics. Yep. Trickling down from space. Right <laughs> onto your dumbass head. <laughs> Just like your relative's body parts. Don't, don't like that. <laughs> don't right, like this, that at all. Let's let's, let's play this right. game. Yes. This week, we are going to start off with a glimpse into Bo Cantrell's past. Ayla, take it away. Waves softly lap on the bank of the Tybalt River. It's overcast and gray. Two figures appear on the shore. A middle-aged woman with her dark hair tied in a braid. A small smile touches her lips as her long dress and layers flow freely at her sides. A young boy follows close behind, dragging a stick through the soft river sediment, poking at rocks and plant life as he walks. Closer to the shore, they come to a stop, and the woman begins rummaging through a cloth bag she had been carrying, and pulls out a ceramic, hand-painted bowl from it. In the meantime, the boy begins impatiently slapping at the water. Bo, the woman says, come here, won't you? I have something to show you today. Bo looks up excitedly with piercing green eyes and rushes over to his newly found calling. The woman beams at him and brushes his dark brown hair behind one ear and says, I'm going to fetch some water from the river. You go collect pebbles about, hmm, she gestures with her fingers into a small circle, about this big. Bo carefully chooses a large handful of small round pebbles off the shore and eagerly brings them to her. With the ceramic bowl filled with river water and a handful of smooth round pebbles retrieved, the sitting woman says, now for the magical part, drop them in. Bo's brow froze in confusion, but he lowers to the ground across from her and obeys. He drops the pebbles gently into the water. His eyes widen and he observes that at least half of the seemingly grayish blue and non-remarkable river rocks have transformed, revealing brilliant agates of various colors. The clouds break, defeating the overcast gloom. The pebbled riverside sparkles and the river begins to glint and shine. Okay. Bo reaches into the cold water and pulls out a couple of rocks that stand out to him and reveals them in the palm of his hand. What are they? He says in awe. 
The woman smiles wildly and pokes at small rocks with her finger. Hmm. Let's see. Agate, agate, and this one looks like quartz. Isn't it brilliant what we can uncover with just a little water? Bo looks up at her adoringly and says a quiet yes, and continues, I would never have known they were even there. The woman stirs in the bowl with her finger, fishing through the rocks, and says, It's kind of like people, you know. Pauses for a moment before catching Bo's baffled look and continues, Well, you never really know what's under the surface until you put a little effort in to find out. Even when they don't always shine the same way, and some don't shine at all. She trails off in thought before suddenly straightening up and exclaiming, It looks as if we've gotten lucky today. She plucks out a small gray rock excitedly and presents it to Bo in his unimpressed expression. It's just gray, he says in a disappointed tone. Her eyes sparkle and she lifts the small rock up into the sky. The sun pierces through and revealing a whole new world inside with flecks of blues, greens, and shadowy dark cloud-like streaks. She puts it into Bo's small palm and he lifts it back into the sky, soaking in every little detail of beauty that could have been easily overlooked. Not all beauty is revealed in the same way either. Sometimes we need a to shed a light on it to see it. She relaxes and gazes at the water, pondering for a moment. You are truly a light bow. I am so lucky to have you in my life. A small tear appears in the corner of her eye. I love you too, mom, Bo responds softly. Bo's mother brushes the tear away and replaces it with a smile. Let's get back. We have some work to do, she says, gesturing at the bowl of pebbles. Flash forward to a rocking wagon, a resting dwarf in one corner. Bo gazes out of the wagon with solemn, colorless eyes into the world passing by. The prayer beads wrapped over his wrist appear to be made with familiar small rounded stone beads and a pendant with an unassuming gray gemstone embedded in it, swinging slight with the toe of the wagon. Sunlight from outside shines on the pendant stone once again, revealing a world of beauty, blues, greens, shadowy, shadowy figures. Interrupted by thought, Bo hears. Fancy a drink there, holy man! I was gonna say, I actually didn't realize, because I read this before, but I didn't realize until now that his eyes changed color. So. Going back to where we last left off, Star, you find yourself at the bottom of a ladder in a pitch-dark room. Just to paint a bit of the scene here, it's this probably 10 by 15 foot room. Behind you seems to be some sort of collapsible wall that is probably held secret on the other side. And in front of you is this long, dark hallway you can't quite see uh, into. However, you do see two figures standing um, maybe 40 feet away, backlit by some dim light, as well as a short, probably five foot human, humanoid rather, walk up to you. And, and pretty quickly you see this half-elf with short, sandy blonde hair, a golden chain that leads down to a small pearl earring a bandolier holding assorted vials for full of different liquids of exotic colors and she looks up to you and she says who are you why have you come here star looks this uh being over sort of admiring some of the um vials that she has and she makes another deep bow and she says with her arm out I am Starlet Moonbow I'm here helping some asshole on a mission and I got sent down first so uh, might I ask your name 
I am Kelamas. What? What person or organization sent you here? What is your purpose down here? Uh, hearing her name start as well, Miss Moss. I have other reasons. Um, but if you'll allow me to speak with uh, my traveling companion, uh, then perhaps he could tell you more about why he's here and why I've been sent down here to investigate or to parlay, I suppose. Uh, mostly, we were hoping to find ghosts, and since we did not, and we've stumbled upon this instead, seems we're in a bit of a predicament, but we'll see how it goes. Do you mind if I ask him? You see her smaller fingers run down a couple of vowels before she sort of lands on a uh, vial of green that seems to slosh with a weird viscosity. She doesn't draw it from her bandolier, but just sort of thumbing it, and she says, You can speak to him, but he has to remain up there. Uh, Star nods her head. Understandable. Uh, Bo, love. What is it that we're here for again? I'm here to release spirits who may be trapped here, but it doesn't seem like there are any spirits. It seems deeper than that. And I'm willing to talk about it and come to a conclusion because the only reason I'm here is to help trap souls. Look, right now, I'm going to yell this down. Right now, the only thing standing between you and an officer of the Empire is us. So you might want to think about that. You see her shift her stance, her left leg goes forward and her right leg falls behind it, and you see her pluck this vial, and then she seemingly looks back and whispers something in Elvish, and she starts backing away pretty quickly um, as a taller figure starts coming down the hallway towards you, and as this figure is getting closer, you realize he's got a uh, bow pulled top back with an arrow knocked in it, and he says... You are agents of the Empire. Star, I think, as she's watching uh, Moss sort of run away, she outstretches her arms and uh, kind of puts them up. And she says, I am not. Uh, and truly, I don't really believe my friends are. That may have come off uh, incorrectly. But... I mean, you have every right to be concerned that we may be, but truthfully, truthfully, I just would like to know what happened to these slaves. I could care less about the uh, officer, whatever the fuck, that ended up dying. He deserved it for all I know. But hear me now. If I find out that you were involved with the death of the slaves, then... I'm sure you could get one arrow in me before I uh, am upon you, and I don't think you want to know what happens after that. Even in this darkness, you see a small flicker of a grin as he says, I'd get at least two, before the younger woman next to him cuts him off, and she says, You don't need to worry about the slave. He's safe. 
Now, why are you here? What are you after? Well, mostly. Oh, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm going to leave it to you. You go ahead, Bo. I think Star's okay. just going to remain silent. She's like, I'm here for a completely different reason, but you, I'm just down here for your guys's um, peace of mind, I suppose, if you could call it that. I've had many weapons pointed at me. I'm not terribly afraid, but I also don't plan on hurting you unless I have a reason to. Uh, she calls back up. Bo, love. Would you please explain to our friends here that I'm not part of the Empire, and that hopefully neither are you. To be completely transparent, these people have nothing to do with the job that I have accepted. And I'm telling you this to to come across honest and to, to be clear with you. And I've taken this job from Emperor Frederick Godfrey, but not to serve him or anyone else involved in anything like that it, it's the the meaning of behind it is to release burdened souls or trapped souls that are here but now that they're not here it's in our hands i and yours and communicating in this moment and figuring out what's next because i was here for the ghosts and you're here instead so, taking that into consideration, it seems that our business has concluded here. We... Well, perhaps not. We still need to have something to tell them when we go back up, but... I don't believe we have any intent on turning you in or whatever, if you're saving the slaves from this life that they've led, or that they've been forced into, then I have no quarrel with you. And when it really comes down to it, they know we're here. They don't know that you're here. And they don't have to. I do, however. Uh, I would like to have some words with Miss Moss, if it's okay. Before I go, though. Okay. Both you guys go ahead and roll persuasion checks. I'm going to give both of you advantage for your compelling argument. During the conversation, Shadow has tried to quietly move up to the pole and just is peeking her head down so that she can see. And you see into the uh, vicinity of the room. You see Kella at this point kind of at the edge of the room with this elf. I got a 21. I got a 17. Okay. This elf co uh, cloaked in shadows begins to loosen his draw in the bow and you hear the string ease in tension as he lowers it to his side and he says he looks at Kella and he looks back at you and he says come in. Come. I think we might have quite a bit to discuss. Flint slides down the ladder and lands with a hearty thud. A dwarf! And he shoots you in the back of the head. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just kidding. Luckily, I've got the thick skull. That yeah, just bounces off your head. <laughs> Ow. They have to count for dwarven skulls. 
but we'll follow. Dwarven skulls have the finest craftsmanship this side of the Tybalt. Grothus follows as well. Shadow grabs onto Groth as he drops down and just kind of holds onto him. Woo! <laughs> Throw your legs over my shoulders and slide down. <laughs> so I like, just, said, just yeah. sitting on Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over Crunch, yeah. <laughs> as you jump down, Crunch is like... <laughs> <laughs> now you have a hat and a necklace. <laughs> And, um, and you, you drop down, and the elf is like, that's a goblin. No, uh, it's a necklace. That's rude, his name yeah, is. Yeah, Groth. <laughs> <laughs> you must leave the green-skinned one behind. He's not permitted to see where we... Well, anything of ours. I can understand that. See Who, uh... where we... Nothing. <laughs> See where we Our uh, meth operation. Hang out. <laughs> Who would be watching him? No goblins. The darkness. You could tie him to the ladder. I could. I'm gonna take him off and just whisper in his ear. Remember, you touch the ground when I see screw. Time to the ladder. Okay. Shadow just kind of pats Crutch's hand. <laughs> and upon laying his eyes on you, he turns to you, Shadow, and he says, Interesting. Excuse me, little girl. Are you... Are you L? My name's Shadow. Not L. Oh, no, young miss. My name is Trebok Everglade of the Oak. El is a name for ourselves, as elvenkind as the humans call us. You can't just ask someone if they're El. That's nice to meet you. I can. I'm El. <laughs> I think Star. If I think Star makes a glance over at um, uh, Flint as we hear his name, and uh, she goes. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say your name was Treebark? Yes, Treebark Everglade. I was named for the beautiful bark that glistened on the treeside when I was consummated by my parents. That is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> that is lovely, what are you talking about? I will tell it to my children, and my children will tell it to their children. It's a beautiful moment of our lineage. That your parents right. fucked? L do not fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sarah loses her shit. She just starts laughing. Yeah, that's a boring like, life. Damn. All right, <laughs> well, do not fuck. <laughs> Let it be known. Write here. it down. What do we do is far more elegant. Now I don't know how you do it under the mountain, you smelly little dwarf. Usually with her butt in my face and my crotch in hers. <laughs> in crudeness. What it's I called expect. a sixty-nine. <laughs> I don't speak Ugh. dwarven. <laughs> to be clear, I'm not talking over you, Tanner. I'm yelling over whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever trees saying. I have half a mind to kill him now and accept the consequences. <laughs> uh, Flynn gets very serious and just kind of like looks at him and says, "Try it, leaf lover." <laughs> I like leaves too. He turns to you, matching your 
bravado and says, In the forest of the oak, we don't threaten others in front of children. But I suppose that's a cultural difference, isn't it? We also just don't ask children if they're L, either. That's, that's kind of inappropriate. <laughs> Star says... I think Star steps in between everyone. She's like, all right, all right. It's all been... I've, I've had some pretty good laughs here, but we have some uh, important things to attend to. Uh, Flint, dear, please try not to uh, provoke our guest, or, well, try not to provoke our host. And, uh, a tree... Yes. <laughs> you just, you do you, I guess. Thank thank you. <laughs> Flint will kind of like slowly relax his grip on his sword. He looks down at your sword and he says, One thing redeemable about dwarven culture is their artisan skills. It looks a bit out of disrepair, but I can tell it's fine. Cross is gonna nerd out on the um, the the design on the handle and just be like, "Oh no, right! I've been studying the shit for years. <laughs> I still can't figure out how to get an edgy just the way that it is." Oh my god! Star is just wear. standing there, like pinching between her eyebrows. <laughs> now she's like, "Oh, we'll never fucking get anywhere with this group." <laughs> Shadow kind of steps towards the front and looks up through her hair, and she's like, "So you're an elf?" I am. I am Okel. I. My people have a connection to the spirit of the forest. We see the beauty in the blossom, if you will. I don't recognize your heritage. You seem neither of the Lunel, Solel, Ciel, or Okel. And you do not look Eldarin. And. Excuse me, and he, they peer over at you, Bo, and they say, Though you have experienced celestial, probably some fall from grace in your lifetime, you have to understand we elves must hold tightly to our culture. So when an elf sees another elf, it is customary and important for our society's existence to share our stories and our history. There's stories you were telling a minute ago that I don't want you sharing with her. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of life is not a clean thing, nor is it always perfect, but it is beautiful. Come, Shadow. I don't know. Father never talked about elves, but the goblins mentioned them. And you guys are walking down this hallway, and he continues sort of probing with you a little bit. And he's like, "I wanted to respond to that, but oh, sure, go ahead." Um, as an Asimar, I don't really find myself in with a community or even a culture. I, I don't I guess I wouldn't exactly understand that, but I can appreciate it. I suppose that is the life of a outlander. Come, Shadow. We have much to discuss. And uh, he begins leading you down. Um, or he continues, rather, leading you down this hallway. About a hundred feet, and he's sort of probing you a little more, Shadow. And he's like, who is this father you speak of? Was he an elf? Can I roll an insight? Because I kind of, I'm not sure I would be super comfortable with them just walking away. Yeah, definitely roll an insight. 
that's my child. Excuse me. I already <laughs> I found her first. We claim her. <laughs> to be fair, you're all walking together. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I probably am grabbing onto like Groth's finger as we walk. Okay. <laughs> um, I I rolled an eleven, but can so I assume that's probably not much. I would like to throw some spice in there too, if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so assuming that I probably don't hear much, I think Star is sort of trying to um, keep an eye on and make sure that he's not uh, bothering Shadow, but she's also talking to uh, Flint and Groth, and she's like, you know, in my time, I've been with a few elves, and they're freaky. (laughs) (laughs) Like, elegant my ass. (laughs) <laughs> the things that this woman wanted me to do to her, let me tell you. And she's just, she's trying to lighten the mood a little bit too, but she's like indulging in this dirty conversation, like <laughs> with uh, her two party mates and trying to keep an eye on the child as well. Well, you ain't lived until you had a good stone job. <laughs> stone job? <laughs> uh, Star goes, uh, pray tell what... What is a stone job? I, if you have I to ask, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will. An exclusive thing. Since Bo's like not part of this conversation, really, Bo's kind of like keep trying to keep up right behind, or not like right behind Shadow, but close enough to be in, like just be in kind of their space and um, and just say you don't have to answer any questions that you don't want to, Shadow. Just reminding her that. She's not obligated to his questions. Okay. Also, I'm plugging uh, her ears for most of this conversation. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, father never talked about elves. What did your father talk about then? Did you have a close relationship? Um, I mean, he—he's my father. He like to do different studies. He wanted to know more about the shadows and power. Um, at this point, Kella speaks up and she says, Tree, I I think this is enough for our guest. And he sort of blushes a little bit and looks embarrassed and says, Yes, I, of course, I'm, I'm sorry, little one. I'm, I'm just... It's good to meet another L in the Riverlands. Even one as curious as you with little culture to share um and you walk through this opening at this point and you see maybe two dozen um people in here most of them seem to be a bit on the younger side um ranging from preteen up to sort of mid-20s it's pretty disheveled there's sleeping bags and tents everywhere um a few crates and barrels but it looks like supplies and logistics might be kind of a more of an issue here and you see this young sorry oh is there any like obvious exit besides the one that we just came in um yes this does continue down into another hallway across this uh sort of living quarters area and there's two split off tunnels uh that you get the sense likely lead to sort of uh living quarters and there's sort of a a wooden makeshift kitchen in the middle with a young red-headed uh boy uh, brewing a stew and, and lowering a fish into the stew pot over this controlled fire. Do I get the impression that they're staying down here because they don't have a good way to, like, leave? Or, like, I'm just trying to figure out if, like, there's any way that they could leave. Um, 
I'm trying to figure out the ladder that we came down was the only entrance or exit to this underground, like, old network. Well, actually, this was a really good segue to let you guys know something. Uh, most of you, I have added a unique skill onto your skill list. Um, Shadow, unfortunately, yours is the only one I didn't because I couldn't quite think of a class skill that you weren't very well versed in. If you think of one, please let me know and we can chat about it. But Zane, why don't you go ahead and roll a smuggling check? Right. Christ, 10. I would say 10 is enough to sort of piece together that that is most likely not the case. For this many people in here, they would need a constant flow of supply, which would be very difficult to get down here the way you came or through town. Um, so this likely doesn't seem like a... This likely to you seems like it would make more sense of, as a tunnel rather than okay. a... Uh, well, I'll kind of like mention that not necessarily directly. No, I'll, I'll kind of mention that towards... Is Marjorie with us, or, is, or Kella, is she with us, or is she off ahead or something? Marjorie's dead. <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> I found her. She's dead. That was so good. <laughs> Kella is right beside you. I, um, just really quick, could I... I just wanted to kind of try to pick up, like, the tone of everything down here as we're walking, maybe a perception or an insight of just, like, kind of the morale, like, of the people down here. Like, how does it feel? Like, Roll an insight, and we'll come back to you after Zane. Okay, thank you. Um, just kind of want to, like, uh, yeah, just, uh, Flint's just going to kind of look around and just be like, and just say to um, Rasp Masa, you're hiding all these people right under their noses. Why? We're not hiding, we're organizing. He'll just kind of nod and leave it at that, I guess. Uh, Star won't. Organizing what, if you don't mind me asking? I love a good rebellion. That... That is a question for li uh, Lilac. And at this point, Tree, leading you guys, pulls back this cloth that has been sort of... Uh, set up to induce a little bit of privacy and reveals this circular wooden table with a bunch of chairs at it and there sits a hooded half-elf with the hood uh, covering all but her sort of shimmering green eyes um, a beautiful deep green hood that is held together by a silver clasp um, and she just has her elbows on the table, hands held together and tree motions and says please take a seat what did Ayla get on inside? 16. 16. Walking through this communal area, there is several things you see and several things you pick up on. There is a anger to this room. People everywhere seem angry. The young red-headed boy stirring the fish in the stew seems to white-knuckle the wooden spoon he's stirring it with the small training area seems to be filled with what you can tell is relatively untrained people battering their head against partially trained soldiers um and you can feel the fury even in these strikes for trainees um even though there's not a lot of actual 
militaristic or or professional training going on. It's just sort of people trying to teach themselves how to fight. And people here are, are dressed very poorly. Their their clothes are dirty. It looks like a lot of them are very very skinny. The stew that this uh, young boy is pre preparing does not look like it could feed everyone here. Several several glaring issues in sort of sustaining this many people in such a tight area too everything's cramped it's very smelly and you can tell morale is not very good uh because this is actually something that i would have a tiny bit of experience with um what is it what are their what are their outfitting capabilities down here in terms of the number of people that they have go ahead and roll your blacksmith check or smithing i forgot what i called it uh, that's an 11. It's blacksmithing. Blacksmithing? Yeah. With, with an 11, um, you can tell their equipment is in poor condition at best. They don't have any, um, facilities to treat weapons, leather, armor, or anything like that, so it looks like they're dealing with scavenged materials. Okay. And for two dozen people, you've you can roughly locate about a dozen weapons. Oof. Alright. I'm just taking mental note. For now. Okay. You guys come in and I assume you sit down around the round table? Yeah. Star kind of loudly and maybe a little too comfortably sits down. Just not necessarily that she doesn't see the anger in here, but, you know, she's her... Uh flamboyant self and just kind of no fucks given if you will I imagine her general angst just kind of fits in <laughs> in, yeah. in this setting kind of vibes Flint, yeah. Flint's gonna sit down facing the door I think Shadow goes under the table I'll sit <laughs> Gross never fits neatly in chairs so he's just gonna lean in the corner puts two together <laughs> 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 One for each cheek. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You sit around this table, and Tree sort of stays kind of near you. Groth stays at the ready, bow drawn, uh, arrow in hand, but not pulled back or anything, but prepared. Um, Kella walks over and takes a seat next to this cloaked half-elf. And she says, So... You're investigating the haunting at Huani Manor. We wish for... Well, quite frankly, we think it's in everybody's best interest to just report that there are ghosts here and that they're not leaving. That the tragedy and the butchery that the Empire committed the night Brambleton fell permanently ruined this place. Yeah, there are ghosts. And then I float a cup up. <laughs> and there is a bit of sort of pullback from tree bark, just like, huh, like he's he's on edge, so he just sort of like twitches ever so slightly, while Kella kind of chuckles to herself, just like, <laughs> and then stars he... like whispering to uh, Shadow. She's like, is, "Is there any wine in there? Can I bring? Float it over to me. Float it over to me right now." 
<laughs> are these teenagers drinking wine? <laughs> um, Toilet bowl hooch. Um, <laughs> Bo is going to ask, did the town, does the town know you're here? We have a few contacts in town, but for the most part, we are held secret. Well, what can you do to make it uh, a little more worth our while? Because as far as I'm seeing, if we go back to the Empire and tell them that we failed, then at best case scenario, we'll walk away. Worst case, they'll arrest us. Tree barks, steps forward, and he says, Spoken like a true dwarf, if there's not coin in it, then it doesn't truly matter. These are the lives of people who have succumbed to terrible tragedy. Don't you have Easy empathy there. in your stone heart? Star also pipes up and says, While I understand uh, your viewpoint, Tree, he's not wrong. I... Obviously, you know the side that I'm on. Uh... Truly, I think that anyone that thinks that owning another being is profitable is definitely the scum of the earth, but our tails are kind of on the line. And you see her tail kind of twitch a little. Uh, uh, I do not wish to die. I have a journey I must go on with. Uh, okay. Um, when it comes down to it, these are, are people that came to help me with a job that is mine and they hired me for a reason as a professional as someone who knows what I'm doing and I think that my word is good and if I say this place can't be helped and can't be the spirits cannot be released I think that that's my word and I, I don't see a problem with that because I was hired for a reason because this is what I do um as far as that goes, I still have questions, and I still want to know I'm doing the right thing, and there's more to that, so we're going to have to have this line of communication keep, to keep going. Uh, Flint will kind of lean back in his chair, like twirling a little silver piece, uh, silver coin in his hand to say, uh, the holy man has a point, and uh, there are things more valuable in this world than just mere coin." And what might that be? I'm looking for Davy Elrond. Davy Elrond? Can't been led to believe that you might have crossed paths with him a bit shorter than me, not quite as handsome. Oh, I think I remember my mother having some dealings. <laughs> Interesting. Um... And she turns over to the half-elf, the hooded one, to the side. And you can see that her hands are sort of gripped incredibly tight together. And, and you feel this anger radiating from her. And you notice, you all notice at this point, that her hands are covered in burn scars. And she looks back at Kella and Kella says, Well, perhaps if we have things of value, we can make a deal. We are the resistance. We are what's left of 
Brambleton before it fell. And perhaps you can help us in one way or another. Um, continuing to twirl the silver piece in his hand, Flint just kind of glances around and says, uh, You seem to be a bit short of necessities around here. We are short of a lot of things. We are operating completely underground while dealing with an entire empire. We haven't even been able to make any moves against them except for the one soldier we lucked into killing. And we didn't even do that. William took care of that. But perhaps that's what you can help with. We could use weapons, we could use food, we could use gold. And she looks up at uh, Treebark and he says, We also have a bit of a problem with a goblin like the one you were companioned with. <laughs> no. Companion is a strong word. We're using him as an accessory. That's what I would go with. <laughs> He's more of an adornment. You mean yes, my necklace? <laughs> yes, your necklace, rather. His clan around here has... Well, let's just say I'm a recent addition to this team here, and out of desperation, Miss Moss and Miss... And he stops himself before he says her name. Says, Either way, the resistance has found itself in an uneasy agreement with the Steel Guts tribe. They have offered what little wares and a bit of food for information about the town and the in ins and outs of Brambleton. Being from this area kind of and knowing the criminal underground as well as Flint does, does that mean does that name mean anything to him? Roll a history check. Alright. Can I get advantage? Um no. Um, well, make your case. What you got? Well, we're kind of we're in proximity to Grimhole, right? You're on the other side of the mountains. Okay. Well, I just Flint grew up like in a village near Grimhole, and from a very young age, uh, like was in several different kind of like bandit, like small time bandit clans. So if, um, no, I'll, I'll just do a regular cause like a regular roll because, um, if it was, if it's on the other side of the mountains, Flint, and it's a smaller time, like bandit group or something like that, uh, Flint probably wouldn't be familiar with it anyway, but let's find out. Nope. Shadow mind. would probably be familiar with it. Shadow, you're intimately familiar. <laughs> however. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get it. I think I know who they are. I mean, Flint doesn't, but I think I do. Um, uh, uh from i'm just this kind of like uh weirdly like out of game but like um because of context clues and everything these are like the hawani people who have survived as far as we could tell or is that a question to be asked not kella and not everglade but that seems to be like the majority of maybe maybe it's a question i need to ask then yeah go ahead are are a lot of your group um, survivors of the Hwani massacre? Is that kind of what it would be? As you say that, the half-elf grabs the side of her 
hood and she throws it back and you see this young probably about Kella's age half-elf woman um, with this terrible swirling burn scar over the right side of her face and a milky eye and her hair is sort of patchworked on one side while it's this nice like deep brown on the other and she says I am the only Huani left and I will kill Pavel Mikop. Now the question is, are you going to help me or hinder me? Um, sorry, quick out of character question. Is Pavel the guy that I saw walking through the town drunk? No, and Pavel mean, is the demon. The of hell rider, the, right? The demon, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, the demon. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm uh, going to quickly blurt out, help. Right, help, help. <laughs> yeah. Star, uh, I think, hearing this, um, her ears perk up and she gets that kind of, like, wide, like, uh, look in her eyes and she says, Oh, I've wanted to kill that fucker since I left eyes on him. I'll be sure to give you the last shot, though. I've been living in fear of the Hellriders nearly my entire life and... There is no chance of me standing by them. So, in that way, you, you at least have me in what I can do. Better group of boisterous blowhards and they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know tact if it slapped them in the face. In fact, it may have. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my hammer on the table. Um, <laughs> clank, clank, say. clank. <laughs> and it's, it shatters the table. It's a big hammer, and like the whole table, like every glass and like <laughs> plate, just like kind of like fucking jumps up like three feet. <laughs> like, we, we seriously have logistic problems, and you just broke our only table. <laughs> broke our only eat. good cup. I'm gonna ask her. Uh, that's Federation markings, yeah. Saying I've been making these hammers for oh about about a week and a half now. Say so look very closely at that symbol. And, uh, why doesn't, I know this is sort of unconventional, but why doesn't Kella make a reception check? Oops. I'll roll, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, 15. 15? Oh yeah, okay, so she notices the little tiny, tiny dicks that I have hidden all <laughs> over the Federation emblems. <laughs> They're already defeated. I see that now. <laughs> What the hell are we even doing down here? <laughs> Let's go up. Hopefully your info has told you that uh, I've been helping Brambleton fulfill their conscription for a short while now, and uh, I might as well have a sense of humor if that's all you can do. Killer pipes up and she says, You've been working with uh, Louis, haven't you? I have. He's a good man. Um, tree bark starts... Uh, speaking, he says, This group, if it has any hope of actually defeating the Hellrider unit, it has a long way to go. First things first, we don't have proper training. Second thing second, the only true idea we have involves risking a lot of the town itself. Third things third, that goblin tribe will be a dangerous threat, particularly if we spend our resources and manpower killing the Hellriders. 
if we even could. Star, um, I think, throws a glance sort of over at Bo, just to, I don't know, just she looks over at him, and then she looks back at Tree, and she says, uh, I think kind of playing with her nails, picking at them a little, she goes, you know, that, uh, that goblin group that you speak of is actually on our shit list right now. Uh, so, we may be taking care of that problem sooner rather than later anyway. But, we'll have to see how it goes. Were they, like, working with the goblins, though? We have a tentative arrangement that's turned more into a coercion. You're that desperate you're working with goblins. As I had said, I would have advised against it if I was with them at the moment they decided but they did not have strong warriors or a presence in this area. If you give me the information I need, I may have a better offer for you. I'd like to know the details of your agreement as well. If, if we are to help in that way, it'd be important. Goblins seem awfully obsessed with the battle. I think Star stands up and um, glances at Tree uh, to sort of signal to him that she wants to go up to um, whichever one of the two is in charge or both of them. <clears throat> uh, who, the Huani is in charge. Yeah. Okay, so just giving him that look like, I'm, I'm gonna go up there. Don't shoot me. He gives um, you a nod. <clears throat> okay, so Star walks up. shoots you. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Got like, yeah, yeah, go I ahead. Was... Psych! <laughs> I was an adventurer next like you. Until he took an arrow through the knee. Okay, so she goes up and um, she kneels uh, before her and she says, uh, just more to get on her level, I imagine Star's sort of a taller cat lady. So <laughs> she kneels and she looks um, this burned girl in the face and she says, it seems that... We're on each other's sides. Would you like to go through with this agreement? I think this could be beneficial for both of us, and... I mean... We have no plans of coercing you to do anything that you probably weren't already planning on doing. What do you say? And she kind of reaches out her hand to shake the other woman's. Sort of just deciding for the group. I mean, I assume everyone is into this, but... You know, speak now or forever hold your peace. Bo is intent on asking, ha having more questions and things like that, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just assume, like, at this point, if we're going to start talking more logistics, she right. yeah. wants to shake the hand and just get through with it so that way we can be on the same side and maybe go back and get our weapons. <laughs> yeah, I was more trying to, <laughs> to describe what kind of vibe I'm giving off, I guess. But I yeah, got you. I'm on you. I'm on okay. to that. Yeah. She reaches out. And firmly grabs your hand. And you see, you feel the rage in this woman. Mm -hmm. It's, it's un unquelled vengeance. Um, I think she, during this handshake, Star continues to look at her and she says, um, quiet enough for maybe just here to her. Um, I will deliver you your vengeance. And I'll watch you take it. Good. Yeah, she nods and backs on up and uh, 
I assume more questions are to be had and stuff, but, you know, now that we're all cool and shit. I want to know more about your deal or agreement with the goblins. Because if we're going to help you, we need to know more. Uh, Kella speaks up and says, We had to deal with them in the beginning because we were so desperate. Uh, we would trade information about the town, locations, places where valuables might be hidden, or more vulnerable places. Um, we needed the food, and we didn't have another way to get it. We had to feed all these people, and it just... It was so hard. Um, but now... Now we can't seem to do anything in the forest without running into them and getting threatened for more information about Brambleton. Yeah, Screw's gotten meaner. They have gotten more aggressive. We believe they're under new leadership. They used to... They used to be brutal, but not as not as organized. They called themselves the Ripper Guts, but for some reason they are now fascinated with metals, particularly of a blue and silverish variety, and they they're more organized. They have intelligence behind their movements. Somebody else is likely pulling strings. That was the, probably Master. Yeah. Tree steps forward and he says, Yes, I believe that there is definitely some sort of influence to control this network of goblins. They are also referring to themselves as the Steel Guts now. And you said you were trading info for what? At first it was food and weapons, but now at this point we get very little for information except for a guarantee of safety. Hmm. Well, this resistance cannot fight a two-pronged war. We are barely enough to survive. So long as we all decided that we're friends here, uh, one's gonna pull a uh, fresh bottle of whiskey out of his bag and just kind of start filling like some of the cups on the table. Um, pardon me. Vodsky? No, I finished the vodsky. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I was keeping track of that. I was drinking the vodka. It's done now, and I actually had one other bag or a bottle of uh, whiskey in my bag. It's a one and done, Love never that. again. Yeah, yeah <laughs> even even Flint's feeling. Finally, it. put it to put it to rest. <laughs> well, I would like to propose a little agreement between all present parties. You feed us information. We'll take care of your goblin problem, and I'll see what I can do about uh, putting you in touch with my network. Get you some supplies, maybe some weapons. Deal. And as far as your agreement goes with the goblins, I'm assuming you're trying to end this agreement rather than reestablish it. Um, and as far as in my eyes go, agreement's an agreement, even with the wrong crowd. How should we end it? How do you want to end it? Um, Tree steps I can think forward. Of a few ways. <laughs> Tree steps forward, and he he says. Despise to say it, I agree with the dwarf. That will be my area of expertise. We will knock them out one by one and completely eliminate them from a threat. They are not only a danger to the resistance here, they are also a danger to the forest, my greater domain of protection. 
And as far as I'm concerned, if they've stopped operating in good faith, then they've broken their agreement, and there's not much more to discuss. A very dwarven way to think about it, but yes, I agree. Kind of ra raises his glass. <laughs> I have an idea on approaching it, too, as well. Could just say, it's not you, it's me, and start from there. <laughs> That'll never work. We have to forcefully exercise them. Exercise them? Get on the treadmill like, now. <laughs> they hate exercise. They're goblins. Lazy little bastards. Well, somewhere a crunch is like, somebody's thacking shit. <laughs> my ears are burning. Speaking of that, I shit my pants. Yeah, as he's, he's not wearing pants, he's wearing a butt flap. <laughs> What's the point? Actually, there's steel, steel guts now, so it's an armored butt flap. <laughs> Can't have What's anyone sneaking in the back door. It's cold in the morning. <laughs> What's the even point of a butt flap? It's just nothing. To flap your butt. <laughs> it's right there in the name. So, as a gesture of good faith, we'll go take care of your goblin problem. But when we come back, uh, I would like to know where this Davy Elrond is. I will tell you what I have for you. What was your name? Flint Oakenfist. Kelamas. Lovely to meet you. My mother has a off-site lab. I may need your group's help in recovering it. That being said, there's likely information that'll help you there. I could lead you, as long as we're in good faith. I think we all stand to have something to gain from this arrangement, so you know where my loyalties lie. Shadow reaches for one of the cups that someone hasn't claimed. Flint kind of, like, slides it towards her. <laughs> <laughs> Is it wine? It's whiskey. Oh, god damn it. Wineski. Wineski. <laughs> next next gen. <laughs> Don't like that. Um Star grabs a glass as well and she says, Well, uh, I too have something to ask of you, but I suppose we uh Well, yeah, I don't know. She she wants to ask her thing. I think she yes. grabs her glass and she also pulls out this vial that she has. And she looks at it, and she goes, Miss Moss, I have a quest that I'm on that doesn't exactly involve any of these other people that I travel with, but um, I was told that you, well, more specifically your mother, would be able to decipher what this liquid could be. Um, and she hands it out over to Moss. Moss takes it carefully with two fingers and tips it to the side slowly in this very dark, uh, very, uh, uh, viscous? viscous, yes, viscous liquid, sort of like molasses, slowly tip, tur uh, drips to the cork of it, and then she throws it back, and it's this very dark gray, but if you look at it long, long enough, you think you see a hint of this baby blue to it. She says, I will have to examine this a little closer. Quite frankly, that aligns with your friend here, because if I got to my mother's private lab, that could 
give me an access to equipment I just don't have here. Who seems to be occupying your lab currently? Well, I haven't been there since shortly after my mother died, but without my mother's control over some of the elements of that lab, things have seemingly gone through an overgrowth. You hear spluttering from Shadow's direction as she's spilling whiskey out. <laughs> It'll put hair on your chest. <laughs> yeah. Star pats her on the back to help her get it out a little bit, and she goes, ha, ah, you'll get used to it. <laughs> Flint reaches over and takes the cup out of her hand, just dumps it into his own. At this point, Tree picks up a glass of his own, and he smells it, and he's like, where did you happen to get this oaken fist? I found it under <laughs> an old cart on the side of the road. <laughs> you found this liquor. It's not dwarvish, but it gets the job done, all right? And he slowly tips it up and it hits his lips and he just sort of makes a sour face. It's just, ooh. 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 <laughs> Star <laughs> I have to go from... sit down. <laughs> I, I imagine Star's probably, like, facing away from this, but she hears it going on, and she raises her glass, and she's like, you know, pretty boy, if you've got anything better, I'll take some. Unfortunately, I do not. Bo's going to address Moss and, um, say, um, I'm guessing you're in similar practice to your mother. What would, like, with, um plants and things, what would you say that it is that you do, or that she did? My my mother was much more accomplished and successful. I was barely her apprentice, but I picked up a, a few things. Um, some basic remedies, and, and mostly recently my healing selves have been what I've excelled at and worked on the most. A lot of the injuries, and she looks at a the Huani next to her and sort of pats her back, and she says, a lot of the work I've done has really saved others, and I haven't had time to focus on much else. Would you... This, oh, sorry. This here, and she lifts up the vial that Star gave her. She says, this looks like Seemingly something you you would use to hurt somebody, or or some sort of ill effect. So it might be out of my realm of expertise, but I could try. So would you call yourself an alchemist, an herbalist? What would you say? Both, both. Okay, that's good to know and interesting as well. Um, I think Star <clears throat> hearing that, like, I mean, she probably already knew that it was something that was, you know, some sort of poison or whatever, but still hearing it and from somebody who may know more than she does, I think her nails kind of pop out a little bit more as she's idly playing with them. And she kind of just stares off into nothing and, um, you, like, anyone that was, like, 
watching her or whatever would probably notice sort of a, like, quiet rage going on with her as well. And she, uh, I think she shakes her head and snaps out of it, and quietly she says to herself, I'll find her. And that's... that. Flint kind of notices this, but doesn't really say anything. On, um... As long as we're on new ground here, asking questions, finding things out, um... What... Do you mind if I ask what happened to your mother? Roll a persuasion check. I'm being very gentle about this. I'm not trying to push at all. Sure. So. It's just a touchy subject, however. For sure. I just... It, yeah. Uh, persuasion, you said? 13. Kelly says, I was actually... I was at home when the Hellriders came. They came quickly and I was... <laughs> I was pranking. I was pranking the Huanis. Specifically, uh, Lilac here. I used to have this trick I would do. A small remedy that you could put into a little vial and when you threw it on the ground, it would smell... Like rotten eggs. I called it a fart blossom. <laughs> and so what I would do is knock on the door to my friend's houses before throwing it on the ground and running. And I did that. I I threw it on the ground and I ran from the front of the Huani Manor and hid in the bushes. And that's when that's when I saw the Hellriders there stampede of fire they came by and threw torches so quickly things caught fire so quickly I, I, I was paralyzed I couldn't move I stayed in the brush all, all night I fell asleep in there and in the morning I ran home and I saw Louis and I saw him pulling my mother's charred body out of our home and I left I, I, I ran into the forest and I I didn't know what I was doing I was I made it a few days found a bit of shelter and ate some berries but I was starving and wet and that's when I found well I found this place Ironically, the the getaway for the Huani, a place where Lilac escaped to. I, I found the other exit that's in, in the woods. I stumbled upon it, and I, I came down here, and I found, found Lilac blistered and dying. And I had my salves. I had my ingredients. I, I rubbed a, a cream made out of heart rose and I made a salve for her burns and I was able to get her better and from then on we found people other people who ran away people who couldn't stand it living under the empire but it wasn't until we found tree bark that we 
started to learn our purpose and what what we want to do and what we need to do. And she looks at her quiet companion, Lilac. She says, We need to free Brambleton and we need to kill the Hellriders. And maybe with you, all of you, we actually stand a chance. People like Pavel are bad for business, in my opinion, anyway. People, People like, like Pavel can get a steak shoved up their ass, <laughs> in my opinion. Medium rare. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> um, I also, like, I understand your loss in a very heavy way. Never the same way, and never it could, I could, it could be the same feeling that I've had, but I've had massive losses in my life, and I feel for you. Um, and it makes me even just want to fight harder for your cause, and and as far as it goes, that's a hell of an origin story for a resistance, so. Um, I know that you have the, the bravest and most noble intentions, and I hope that, that we can see it to the end. Treebark steps forward and he says, We've done enough talking for now. We have things to do tonight. Kella, you need to feed William. You five, who's th- who are the st- quietest hunters among you? I can be quiet. <laughs> oh, I'm super quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you have any idea how quiet I can be? <laughs> A little bit quieter than this. <laughs> <laughs> I can be pretty good at staying out of sight if need be. Star says, you're looking at a uh, world-class uh, rogue here. Many people know my name, but many of them have never seen my face. I can be quiet. Good. I have a hunt. And I need those of you who are quiet with me. The rest of you should help out Kella and Lilac. What do they need help with? Well, planning, mostly. Hopefully Lilac or Kella can outline a bit more of what we're thinking about dealing with the Hellriders, as well as feeding William. Shadow, I believe you might enjoy. Do you like animals? Sure. Well, <laughs> William's a bit scary of one, but he's nicer than you think. Nothing wrong with scary. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> uh, Groth has been quietly scrawling something away in the corner on a little piece of paper Um, for the last few minutes. He's going to step forward right now and slap it down and say, can you get me a uh, some of these items while you're out on your hunt tonight. What and, are the uh, items? They are a couple of specifically shaped and sized rocks where he's laid out, you know, I need like a foot by, you know, six inch. Several of them to make little bricks. I want to make a, basically I want to make a mini forge tonight to see if I can make a couple of weapons or a couple of these scrap weapons around here. Um, you know, maybe melt two down to make one good weapon something like that i think i could could probably reasonably get like two or three in a night okay 
Um, he, uh, Treebark looks at you and sort of peers at you, uh, Flint, and just puzzlingly is like, I'm sure I can manage it, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Bring, uh, bring plenty of, plenty of fuel as well. I'll need to burn it, uh, well into the wee hours of the morning. I think we should set up a little surprise, some nice weapons. Some, uh... You got nothing to fight with right now. You got shit. Your bow is the only weapon around here that I've seen that's worth a damn. I agree, and I think if we could elevate our equipment... We show the training goblins. Training and... Yes, exactly. Alright, well, do, shall we be off for the hunt? Do we need to go tell that lady outside something? Probably. <laughs> I can I mean, tell her I need more time. The best case for it being deadly and haunted is maybe we don't come back at all. <laughs> I can make it seem scary while you're telling her. <laughs> Make it look I, like you got beat up. <laughs> I love that. I kind of want to do that. I pull out my paints. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what's it called? Um, for movies, like your your VFX kit or yeah, whatever. yeah. You're. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make it look like half your face got ripped off. <laughs> do you do you have a disguise kit or anything? I have a disguise kit and oh I also extra supplies. Oh, <laughs> put like smash berries, like. <laughs> Roll a charisma check with your proficiency. Also, um, I, we, you know, we can go either way. I love that idea, but we don't have to. No, I think it's great. You should go for it. Okay, cool. Shit. <laughs> uh, trying to think of if I can argue for advantage on this. <laughs> I've seen some gruesome <laughs> shit. I can try to. Like, give you advice? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I got a natural two, so that uh, is a... It's just dark, charisma though. and proficiency, is that what I'm doing? Yep. Um, can I can I give her a, a re-roll? <laughs> a re-roll. I'm gonna call it re-roll. As I pull yeah. out my paints and just kind of paint black circles yeah. on her face. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's dark, you can do though. it. They, if she doesn't have good like vision in the dark, maybe it would look more convincing. You're gonna meet her outside. In the dark, right? Because it's probably what time night? is it? I don't know. What time is it? It's like mid to late afternoon. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, we could wait. <laughs> uh, I like that. Let's call it inspiration's rerolls. Oh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. We're going to use a point a, of reroll. Re yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you That's fine. Okay. Use my other day. Well, if we, what if we did waited you, wait till night? Sorry, did you, do you have an inspiration? I do have an inspiration. Do you want me to use mine? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, sure, that'd be, that'd be better than me giving you mine, but uh, I'm going to leave Very that dwarven way of thinking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, pop mustard. Not much better. Uh, Twelve. Twelve's enough to do some semi-convincing. Double digits is always better. Also, yeah. I want it to seem like oh, no, we were... no, that math is wrong. That's ten. Still double digits. It's not terrible. <laughs> okay, well, like I said, like I would want it to seem like we're gone way too long. Like it like it's creep like maybe that's a creep factor, like 
now that we're but out also, of the dark and it would be look more creepy. I don't know. But she didn't see me and I can stay near the windows and make noises and yeah. make it look like things are flying by. I like that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move through this. So you go out there at dusk, we'll say, to talk to her and you've got a little bit of makeup on. You spent some time in there. You're also coming back alone, which is a factor too. And you go up to Yona Bors and she's sort of corralling the poor slaves into their shabby living uh, arrangements under these weather-beaten tents. And she turns to you and she says, Do you have news of the haunting? And just to be clear, Shadow is staying near the entrance to the house and like using minor illusion to like make it look like an image appears in the window and then disappears and then uh, okay. making creepy curtains house, yeah. and it also making noises that are like <laughs> <laughs> seems like Casper the friendly ghost is in this house <laughs> I mean honestly even though, like I imagine like the shape of a little girl's shadow running across the windows and stuff that'd be fucking scary it's pretty terrifying oh my god um so and you I, hear Garth was... go where the fuck did it go with <laughs> appearing in the window and disappearing yeah oh my gosh um so Bo's gonna exit the house and and just see like put off the vibe that like he's super like just exhausted like from this experience like not like harmed necessarily but like obviously like this has taken a toll with the makeup and the kind of like tired kind of haggard feeling and um come and wants to express that as i'm coming up and then i approach and and kind of like take a deep breath and be like I have never dealt with something like that. This is going to take time and work. But I think that I can do it. But you have to understand the the things that ha- have taken place here and the the types of spirits we're dealing with. This is going to be a tough one. Okay. Go ahead and roll a persuade check with advantage. Also Shadow puts on the outfit that they found in the house and just kind of like stands in front of the window peering out through her hair. Oh god, that's even more <laughs> creepy. I'm going to use my inspiration. <laughs> so I got a yeah. four and a one. Oh, fuck. Come on. Fifteen. Nice. Okay. Better. That's burning through those inspirations I know, right I had quick. to. That's fine. Um, okay. With a 15, uh, she seems taken aback. She seems fearful. You can see the terror swelling in her eyes. And she says, I will I will make sure that nobody goes near the manor as not to disturb your work. Good luck. The ghost requests better conditions. Okay, bye. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you head back into the manor. And that is where we will leave off for this week's episode of the Reroll Podcast. Also, the ghost won an entire crate of weapons and shields. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Maybe some food, too, or something like some war Send supplies. Send some squirrels. The spirits no. requested. Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons living or dead or actual events are purely coincidental. 
Want to follow us on social media, listen to another episode, or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we can use in our games. Please consider donating to our Patreon if you like our content. We are hellbets on making more, and with your support, we can make a lot more. New episodes every Monday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.